This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Witness your own transformation as you turn small steps into giant leaps. Skillshare makes it so. There are a lot of fascinating classes on Skillshare, on topics including illustration, design, and animation. When I was looking through the class list, I saw one called Logo Design with Draplin, Secrets of Shape, Type, and Color. Now, Sarah and I are both actually huge fans of Aaron Draplin. We love him. He's a fantastic designer, and his work is very bold and simple, and it's fun, and I'm sure you'll love it too. He's also a huge sweetheart, and if you're lucky enough to meet him at a convention, just know that he gives these fantastic bear hugs because he's such a positive guy, and he's so excited that you're supporting his work. Um, But anyway, I recommend taking his classes because he's just a delightful weirdo, and you'll be a better designer for it. Just head to Skillshare.com slash Musicalsplaining, where our listeners get a free one-month trial of Skillshare Premium. That's right, a free month of Skillshare Premium at Skillshare.com slash Musicalsplaining. There's nothing better than getting better. Accomplishing growth is extremely satisfying, and online classes from Skillshare make it all possible. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host and Manamana enthusiast, Kavitaharian. And I am a soft reboot of myself from three years ago, <laughs> Lindsay Ellis. Soft reboot. No, you're the Lindsay Ellis as opposed to Lindsay Ellis soft is reboot. what it was, right? I know, someone hasn't seen The Suicide, the Suicide Squad. Squad. Oh, right. That's the new one. Anyway, I was very yeah. confused about that title. Uh, that's true. I haven't <laughs> seen different. it. <laughs> it was really good branding because yes. it didn't confuse people at all. <laughs> anyway, we're here today to talk about a... I don't know, soft re- or you were, you were mentioning this before. We're talking about mm-hmm. the Muppets. We're talking about the Muppets. We're talking about... Is Not this... just any Muppets. All right. The Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. The, the best one. Which I have not seen. Surprising. <sighs> Amazing. Because like, he's like, I want to do uh, like a Muppet movie, but like I was surprised at like this kind of like uh, gap in your Muppet knowledge because you've seen like the first two or three, right? Well, I've seen all the... Hen- See, I, this is how much of a dork I was back then is that after Jim Henson tragically died... I was like, I'm not watching any of these money grub, money grabbing <laughs> Muppet movies no, they made in the nineties. Yeah, directed by the charlatan, yeah. his son. <laughs> I remember it being like, that's not Jim Henson anymore. That's just a corporation. So I didn't that's see any of those. That's just his son, ones. Brian. <laughs> what is it? It's like Muppet Treasure Island, Muppet Christmas Carol. There's yeah. another one in there. Oh, Muppets in Space. I mean, they're all kind of soft reboots, except mm. for the two beloved outliers that are Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island, which are just totally unrelated to the uh, MCU. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually and the original our, MCU, yeah. Yeah, the original MCU. Because I'm pretty sure that Henson only directed the first two. Yeah, he didn't. I think Frank Oz directed one, I want to say. I don't yeah. think he even directed the first two. I think he directed like one of them. Yeah, I, I think he directed Labyrinth. So Jim Henson only directed uh, one of the Muppet movies, and yeah. that was The Great Muppet Caper. Right. Frank Oz, you know, beloved director slash character actor slash voice actor. Uh, slash Miss Muppets Piggy Take- and Yoda. Slash <laughs> uh, directed uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. And then Brian Henson directed uh, Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. And uh, it's weird that there really haven't been that many Muppet movies. It feels like there's a lot more than there are, but there are only eight over a period of uh, a little over 40 years. Yeah. 
But they're just, they live that much in our hearts or they did yeah. for us anyway. And what's honestly kind of surprising to me, like in hindsight, it felt like there was this whole like trend of like Muppets uh, acting out classic stories, but really there's only two and that's Christmas Carol and Treasure Island, which is the one we're talking about today because uh, not only is it my favorite Muppet and I get to choose um, and we're both having a very busy week. Yes, <laughs> we needed something light. <laughs> yeah, it was an executive decision where it was like something that was short, something that was fun and something that neither of us would have to spend very much time on. And I just got back from uh, the Caribbean. I Oh, right. Um, I forgot. Yeah, How was I'm that? I'm now an expert uh, <laughs> in all everything. things. <laughs> everything. All things. Traveling abroad. Even though Caribbean's yeah. not abroad, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the part I was in was definitely not. Um, yeah, I, I did learn a little bit about like the trade winds and uh, why San Juan, Puerto Rico was very in demand at the time. Is this all part of Muppet Treasure Island? Uh, no, but I did. <laughs> I did get some rum from. Oh, that's uh, a good idea. <laughs> I should drink rum while we watch this. That'd yeah, be fun. yeah. I got some rum from. Uh, I would say you should come down. <laughs> Very busy week. Oh, that's true. Ah, uh, this would have been a good one to drink. Yeah, no, because I got I got time. some very uh well, uh, super expensive, but like you know, fairly expensive rum from a, a nice little rum distillery uh in near San Juan called uh Rondel Barrito. I think, Barito. and okay. uh, I went there with the twelve tone and uh, extra credits. Mm-hmm. One of the extra credits guys. And uh, we got stuck there for two hours because Uber does not work in Puerto Rico. But we had a very lovely time and we learned a lot about rum and trade winds. And uh, so basically, I know everything about Treasure Island now. That's cool. Uh, Where's Treasure Island supposed to Did you read the original book? I had to read it in school, but I don't remember I fucking did, any yeah, of it. I don't remember I don't what remember island. Any tra- of it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, the British were not great. Uh, <laughs> at colonizing the Caribbean. That was more the Spanish's bag, baby. I also rewatched Austin Powers. Uh, <laughs> the first one holds up, actually. I remember watching yeah, that was, I was it. Just it's like, actually very you know, good. It's not like Busta got laughing, but I was just like, it's pretty solid. It's no, you know like what it is? The editing ages. is very good. The editing yeah. on that movie is very, very good. It definitely says something about the 60s that, you know, you never really think to say. Anyway. So, <laughs> so the Austin Powers musical Austin that we wanted to talk about. Oh, God, I'm shocked that doesn't exist. Uh, Disney has this interesting relationship with, like, you know, Treasure Island in particular, but pirate stories broadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 17th, 18th, 19th century was just sort of like this constant war for the Caribbean for the mm-hmm. worst possible reasons. Uh, but the British were not great at it. Uh, they just kept dying of dysentery and like, you know, just kind of ending up with like the scrappy islands that nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the Spanish were able to hold on to the good ones like Cuba and Puerto Rico. And so I think there was this like, you know, romanticism in England. And that's why the whole like idea of the pirate became so popular there and that kind of like tumbled down. And that's why to this day, we're still very enamored by the, this idea of the Caribbean pirate. Mm. This rum is already kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had known. I feel so unprepared for this podcast. Uh, yeah, I actually I like, have so rum too downstairs. At the, at the, at the rum place at the, at the distillery, what the guy suggested was um, you probably can't see it, but uh, he's like to get some coconut water and freeze it and then just put it in there oh, and then just cubes? let it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So I did that, and it, I don't know if you can see it, but I, I, see. I only had my heart-shaped ice tray, oh. <laughs> so I've got like heart-shaped coconut that water. That sounds lovely. I want to do that's that almost, for sure. I'm yeah. totally getting on and it. A, 
and a dash of Kahlua. Well, maybe, maybe we can like work it out sometime so you can come down and get my semi-expensive rum. Female. Probably watch Muppet Treasure I'm Island on Disney+. I'm a huge fan Plus. of all tiki drink. Tiki bars are like my favorite kind of bars to go to. I've yeah. always loved them. Oh, and the place where we stayed, the Hilton, where we, it was a business trip. That means it's okay. <laughs> I'm not canceled because it was for business. It was apparently the place where the pina colada was invented. Oh my the, goodness. Caribe Hilton. Were they good? In uh, San Juan. Yeah, they were really good, but they were like, it's sort of one of those things like I have to stop at one because they each have like 800 calories because it's uh, like. sure. It's all sugar it's and stuff. Heavy cream, coconut milk, and, you know, pineapple juice. And like they wave a bottle of rum over it. Like it doesn't have a lot of alcohol mm. in it. That's why it tastes so good. Sure, sure. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of rum, how about I go into these notices? Yeah. Okay, one of the forgotten Muppet movies, the 25th anniversary of Muppet Treasure Island is the reason why we're here. Muppet Treasure Island. Planned it. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Muppet Treasure Island is a 1996 American musical adventure comedy film directed by Brian Henson. It is the fifth Muppet theatrical film following 1979's The Muppet Movie, 1981's The Great Muppet Caper, 1984's The Muppets Take Manhattan, and 1992's The Muppet Christmas Carol. The Muppets, created by Jim Henson in 1955, are an ensemble cast of puppet characters known for absurdist, burlesque, and self-referential style of variety sketch comedy. SNL with puppets. They were actually on SNL in the way, way beginning, like the first season. Yeah. Did they they debut around the same time SNL did, I think? Uh, I think they were trying to make it a thing on SNL. Like they were trying to launch it there and they were like, oh, this doesn't really work. And then the- Yeah, so let's just do our own thing. Yeah. And then they went off to England and they did the Muppet show and it was- Hugely, hugely successful, and he made a shit ton of money. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right because the Muppet Show debuted only a year after SNL did. So yeah, you know, there's some synergy there. One of my uh, quarantine reads was the uh, Jim Henson biography by mm-hmm. uh, Brian J. Jones, who is my friend on Twitter. I was really excited that he followed me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic. By Follow the way, back. one of the few books aside from your book, because of how wonderful and beautiful it was that I read. Yeah, uh, it was wh- <laughs> one of the few books that I actually read and just was sobbing by the end of it which never happens yeah. to me I never do that but the Jim Henson book yeah. is excellent highly recommended the biography you also did it mine too I assume I did but for different because reasons because of the way it ends yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see so Muppet Treasure Treat. Island Mupp- <laughs> I, I swear I have not had that much rum I've had like you know <laughs> This is this is not all rum. This is like mostly coconut water, but like it, it, it's it's hitting me hard. I feel like for the second half of this, after we watch it, you need to have drank as much rum as you did during the first half of it. So then, uh-huh. by the end of the episode, we're just progressively more and more yeah. uh, rum wasted. I, mean, I feel I feel like it'll it'll totally be in the mood with this movie, uh, which is very deeply silly. Yeah, we're just gonna be talking about how awesome the Muppets are. This is all yeah. this is not critical analysis. <laughs> yeah. Or is it? Or, Critical know, analysis. Who knows? Yeah, maybe we'll have Silly to... is good actually. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island was the second and final iteration of a Muppet movie in which the Muppets act out a non Muppet story, with each Muppet playing a different character. All of the other Muppet movies are quite literally Muppet movies where the Muppets play themselves, which is part of their charm. That's what I've always loved about those movies. I guess. But I feel like, again, like there's this sort of cultural, I don't want to say amnesia, but people feeling like this was way more common than it is. Because like for what I, there's this meme I see somewhat often, which mm-hmm. is like, uh, pick a movie 
where it's all played by Muppets and who yeah. is the one character that is played by a human and who is that actor. It's oh, just yes, like a fun, yes, yes. I've like a fun thought experiment, yeah. you know? It's just like uh, Les Mis, but like he, it's all Muppets and Hugh Jackman or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like that speaks to like how, like, you know, the two times this did happen, um, I think were really memorable because the two actors that acted against the Muppets, Michael Caine and Tim Curry, were very memorable in their roles. And because uh, I, I rewatched Christmas Carol a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and it really struck me how seriously Michael Caine takes that God role. God bless him. That's probably like, why it's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. Like he does not flinch acting against those Muppets. He like whenever the ghost of Christmas, you know, future comes to take him to hell, he just like goes all in <laughs> on that giant puppet and just like begs the puppet to spare his soul. And like, I, I feel like this one is kind of similar where like, to me, it is like Tim Curry at his best. Mm. Like he's not phoning it in. He is equal parts like silly and heartfelt and menacing. So I and here's my hot take. Mm-hmm. I think he's the best John Silver. Oh, OK. Boosh. Yeah, I feel like Tim Curry himself is a bit of just like a Muppet, like an honorary yeah. Muppet himself. He's, he's just that like, kind that's of why character. It's just like it feels like, again, it's been a long time since I've seen this yeah. movie, but he feels so seamless yeah. in the universe of the movie because he is just a Muppet. I remember, so again, they they mentioned this too in the biography is like uh, when they were doing the Muppet show, like after the first season, they had so many like just famous actors and like artists and dancers and all these people who were like, we want to come be on the Muppet show. But it's that specific formula of like them being the human amongst this cast of fucking puppets where they were like finally able to sort of like let go and like yeah. fully embrace whatever it is that they're doing. And it's not just that they're with kids. It's like they're with, it almost feels yeah. like you're in a live action cartoon <laughs> yeah, in a way. They're with adults who are puppeting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think there's almost sort of something improv-esque yeah. about acting against puppets because you're still acting, right? Right, right. And like uh this one is also kind of unique in that it does have two primary human actors. Jim Hawkins is not played by a Muppet. Mm. And originally the idea was for Gonzo to be Jim. And I think very wisely they realized, like, oh, I don't think we can really convincingly portray this sort of like father-son mentor-mentee relationship with a human John Silver and Gonzo. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't trying hard enough. That's the only reason why I I would have killed that role. (laughs) They they very wisely brought in a kid. Um, And so he plays John, he plays Jim Hawkins against uh, uh, Tim Curry's John Silver. And, you know, I think they really do have good chemistry, at least to my memory. You know, I, I, there may be some nostalgia goggles, uh, playing in here but yeah wait did you say when the last time you watched this was i feel like it must have been like 15 or 20 years oh so it's been a while okay yeah i just i remember watching it a lot uh guys i wasn't that young when it came out i was 12 when it came out um so like i was old enough to where i was like too cool for school for stuff that wasn't like good Mm -hmm. you know i didn't really have taste yet i thought godzilla 97 was okay (laughs) i still don't have taste I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for days to come in. Like it's any days. day now. Yeah. It's like it's like it's, it's like, like puberty. Delayed. It'll hit eventually. Yeah, exactly. It's like one day, one day, I'll get my first chest hair of good taste. Yeah, right. All right. Muppet Treasure Island is the second theatrical film directed by Jim Henson's son Brian, after the Muppet Christmas Carol, and also his last until 2008's regrettable The Happy Time Murders. We watched like half of it. Oof. It was like 
I guess it's funny that they're swearing and there's like sex jokes, but I felt. How could it, this uh, happen to me? <laughs> Did you watch the whole I thing? Made, no, it's, it's just like it, it's like Avenue Q, but shitty. And I don't like Avenue Q. Like I come in from a anti Avenue. Q. I'm sorry, Avenue Q stands. Not a fan. Uh-oh. Like when if we ever do an Avenue Q apple, we'll have Sarah on. She can defend it. Um, <laughs> But like, yeah, even because I was I was like the perfect age for Avenue Q and it still did nothing for me. So the Happy Time Murders was just like that. But like at least Avenue Q kind of had a point. Like it was just like the only joke was it's puppets. So are, did swearing. you what did you so is that what you didn't like about it is that it sort of took puppets yeah, and Muppets it's lazy out. Yeah. and like, uh, you know, it's just it's just Avenue Q, but like boring. Which also what was kind of always funny to me about the Muppets specifically was it always did feel like adult, even though it was made for kids. So the idea of just making them edgy and sort of like having yeah. them swear sort of felt like it missed the point exactly. of what was like, charming the about Muppet the original Muppets. The Muppet show was deliberately, you know, it was a show for adults. Yeah, Muppet exactly. Show. Yeah. Like, I mean, the fact that kids like, you know, that kids could watch it was a, was like a benefit. And like, but the, you look at that humor, like that was not humor for kids. That was adult. Like, I don't mean adult humor in that it was like, you know, raunchy. I mean, in that it was sophisticated. Yeah, it yeah. was referential. Like, you know, it talk, you know, like have like Watergate jokes, like in the 70s, mm-hmm. like, you know, and the actors would be people that like, you know, kids wouldn't get. And, like, no, and again, like yeah, just like I was saying, that's part of what was the fun about it. It was like yeah. you have Sylvester Stallone, who, you know, is this like famous actor coming acting like an ass with all these puppets. And like, yeah, that was part of the appeal is like, haha, look, this is funny. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, th- I think like this idea that like Muppets are for kids is like, I, I don't know, maybe maybe just like a cultural misremembering a Mandela effect, such as it were, because they did eventually become for kids more. Um, like again, Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island yeah. were very much for kids. I think it's sort of an amalgam of that. They're probably mixing up Silver or uh, Sesame Street with Muppets because yeah. that's specifically what the brand of what Sesame Street was. And it is kind of a bummer that like we've kind of lost this ability to like differentiate like adult humor and like raunchy humor. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the later Muppet movies were oh, pretty good at that. Like the ones that came out within the last five years. Yeah. You know, they did kind of cater to all ages well in the yeah. way that like a good DreamWorks movie will, but they didn't, they weren't huge hits either. You know, like they, they didn't like tank, but they weren't like big cultural moments. I did like the, uh, the Jason Siegel one. I had a good time with oh, that yeah. one. Oh yeah. That was the was one everybody really likes. Yeah. <laughs> I, Man or Muppet. It felt like it's kind of got the spirit of what the original <laughs> movies were. Or, well, that or, one actually sort of, did get an Oscar nomination yeah. for uh, best original song. And this one did not, which is still kind of a war crime. Not as bad as La La Land beating Moana, but uh, (laughs) like that Cabin Fever, which again, like is a delightful song that happens about halfway through this movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of shocked. Uh, Like I did just rewatch that on YouTube and I'm like, how did this not become like the biggest meme during the pandemic? It's called Cabin Fever and it's about exactly what it sounds (laughs) like. Maybe we can help it become a meme. (laughs) Bring back Cabin Fever. Uh, as this was a Disney co-production, which at that point it wasn't because I mean I guess they weren't really owned owned. No, they by weren't. Disney. They did not. Yeah, they they weren't bought by Disney for like another no. ten years. I think that's part of what apparently killed Jim Henson was like he was so <laughs> stressed out and fucking overworked from doing all these yeah, Disney negotiations yeah. that he didn't take care of himself. Uh, again, bawling by the end of that fucking book. Uh, no. As this was a Disney co-production, it falls in line. So with Disney killed Jim. Henson. Disney killed Jim Henson and then bought his property later. Have it to Harriet. <laughs> 
it falls in line with Disney's long history of Treasure Island adaptations. The Disney Company's first ever live action film was an adaptation of Treasure Island, culminating in 2000's Treasure Planet Yike. Not even Yikes, but singular Yike. Yeah, that's how bad it was. <laughs> 2002. I was off by two oh, years. So. 2002. This is what I, this is what I get for Planet. trying to like do this by memory. Yeah, Treasure Planet was uh, um, interesting. <laughs> I don't even. I don't think I ever saw. I think I tried watching it. And I was like, oh no, I can't. Well, I've talked about it a few times yeah. uh, on, on like video. But for those of you who don't, I guess know the T. Uh, Treasure oh. Planet was a passion project. Uh, of John Musker and oh, Ron right. Clements. Yes, we did talk about this. I remember now. And uh, I, you know, it's one that I find very interesting because of how much commercial dreck they had to make in order to get their passion project made. And then when they did that, it just was a huge flop. Okay, when I say commercial dreck, I mean Hercules. <laughs> and I love Hercules. I like you, you, you all Hercules. know, yeah, yeah, I love Hercules, but it, it's it's commercial dreck. It is just like so such pandering 90s weirdness. The other thing that comes to mind is John Carter. Oh, God. Where Andrew Stanton like had such a phenomenal smash with Wally. He could do anything he wanted. Yeah. And he made John Carter of course. such a... Dis- it was so- oh, my God. That movie. You know, that's the only time in theaters I've had the film strip melt. Really? In the- yes. In the middle oh. of the screening. Did you a favor. Like, yeah. I mean, eventually it came back, but I was just like, this is so funny. It's just like this movie is, I was just like halfway through. It was just like, wow, this is such a disaster. And then it just like melts. <laughs> it was beautiful. That's fucking amazing. That's poetic. <laughs> yes. Oh, anyway, uh, let's see. Mepper Treasure Island is now widely considered one of the forgotten Muppet masterpieces, barely made its $31 million budget back and was met with generally positive, though not fawning reviews. The Hormel Foods Corporation, the creators of Spam, sued Jim Henson Productions for using the name Spam. 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 One of the film's tribal pig yeah. characters. I forgot this has this has problematic indigenous Uh-oh. pigs. Cancel. <laughs> Fair warning. Uh, Spam. Spa- he's the he's the he's the, uh, he's the tribal chief. I see. Of the pigs. The judge dismissed their lawsuit on September twenty second, nineteen ninety five, after a trial for failure to prove damages. Noting one might think Hormel would welcome the association with a genuine source of pork. That is one of my few. Yeah, I, I love it when judges get zingers in. So it's not often that it happens, even rare, more rarely that it's satisfying. But sometimes you're just like, mm, get him, get him, judge, get him, get him judge. your honor. Uh, OK, so songs. There's, are there a lot of songs in this or is it just a couple? Yeah, there are, uh, you know, I more than an average Disney movie. Um, again, Cabin Fever is absolutely delightful. That's the banger. Uh, that's the banger. John Silver's song, is Tim Curry's big song, mm-hmm. also extremely delightful. It's called Professional Pirate, oh. uh, where they're making a sales pitch for why you should be a pirate and why piracy is good, actually. Um, <laughs> it's the pre-Napster days. It's basically yeah. like setting this it would, up. Yeah, it, would, it makes a very compelling point because he's just like, okay, so what about Sir Francis Drake? He's a knight in England, but he's like a pirate to the Spanish. So who's the real bad oh, guy? Oh, shit. Jim. And Jim is like mind blown. Mind blown. My mind was blown. I was like, whoa, that's a good point. One person's Muppets. criminal is another person's hero. <laughs> From my point of view, the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that movie um, so yeah. great. The uh, <laughs> the opening song writing. I think is really fun, uh, and there's some really like basic ones. The I Want song is pretty boring. There's a '90s duet between Kermit and Piggy towards the end that's also pretty '90s. Mm. 
I think there's like a few basic ones, but some like hardcore bangers. Again, I'm like, I, I feel like if you're at the right level of drunk, you're like cabin fever is going to make you cry because it's so funny. And it's okay, there's a, like, I think that's the other thing about this movie is I think it's the funniest Muppet movie, like mm. per minute minute? like it just yeah yeah, like it has like the most it's kind of like a mel brooks movie it just has a lot of jokes and if one of them doesn't land they just keep going you know there's still some jokes that i to this day like quote nobody ever recognizes what i'm talking about is it mostly absurd though so it's not really no no or does it sort of i think it's extremely heartfelt okay uh but yeah because like kermit as sort of like the good father figure and mm-hmm. silver is the bad father figure um yeah no it's actually it, it i think to me it like again it's a dumb 90s movie so like don't go in here right. you know expecting like you know lawrence of arabia but you know <laughs> that, <laughs> that good father movie. yeah i was gonna say <laughs> i was like what's a good movie i don't know <laughs> big fish is a good dad big movie. fish yeah, or no it's not like, a good dad but it's like a daddy issue yeah movie. like yeah don't go in here expecting the one good tim burton movie but uh i think it does kind of st- walk that line of like absurd humor and heartfelt really well. Um, Billy Connolly also has a role. It's oh, a I short love Billy role. Con- Billy Connolly yeah. is great. <laughs> he's great. Um, he's at his billiest Connolliest, <laughs> and uh, like also really funny. Like he like that was my introduction to Billy Connolly. I was like, holy fuck, this guy fucking rules. Yeah. Uh, and he, he has a very short role, but it's like it's funny. Um, so yeah, I I okay. I'm excited to revisit this one again. It's been like 15 or 20 years. I'm like even if it doesn't hold up, I still think it'll hold up cuz I'm just like it's you know, it's Muppets, it's uh it's got cabin fever in it. What really more could you want? Yeah, at this point I'll just I'll watch anything Muppets, even the bad ones, I'll probably be fine with. All right, so I'm going to go watch this movie and say a thing or two to my 12-year-old self who thought this might it was too cool for this. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, my 12-year-old self was all in. I was like, I bet there's some idiot in California who's like, (laughs) (laughs) or Connecticut or wherever you were. Wherever I was at that point. France. I was probably in France at that point. Some idiot in France. Like, just being like, oh, I'm t- I too, je suis too yeah, cool for it. Cool. Cool. I like grown up stuff like Ace Ventura 2. That's what I into. Le escargot. Le escargot. Ma pe- uh, yeah, I, I don't understand. Le moupe. <laughs> Le moupe. <laughs> uh, I still have, I have only got through half of this row, but I'm just like, you know what's funny? Le In moupe. French, it's moupe. Moupe. Le moupe. Le moupe. On va voir moupe. Le film de moupe. <laughs> Un film de Ison. <laughs> All right. Brion. Brion. This episode is sponsored by Curiosity Stream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as Caffeinated, which tells the story of coffee and the community that has evolved around it. Explore the coffee chain from bean to cup as they discuss the future of coffee and its sustainability. Come on, guys, it's a movie about coffee. And who does not love coffee? I mean, other than my dad, who swore off caffeine years ago, along with processed meats, alcohol, and anything fun in general. What are you talking about? Just because I don't drink coffee doesn't mean I wouldn't watch a perfectly good documentary. That's not logical, you know? Dad, stop interrupting my ad read. And by the way, you don't know everything. This is why you couldn't pass chemistry. You're always so emotional about this course. I'm not emotional, okay? You are. You can also get access to our streaming video service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. Why do you need Nebula if you already have CuriosityStream? Dad, 
That's actually a really good question. Nebula is a place for smaller, indie education type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original content. Why don't you say so? Look, I can't say that word, all right? It's a long story. From creators like Princess Weeks, Sarah Zed, and of course, our good friend, Lindsay Ellis. Oh yes, I like Lindsay. She managed to keep you employed somehow. Right now, you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year by visiting curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to the goods. And now... Back to the show! Dad, that was my line. And we are back. We're back to Kaveh's sixth consecutive day of talking into a microphone. It's been hours and hours and hours on end. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been fun. But not the same mic, right? Not the same mic, a different microphone altogether, yes. A better mic. A better mic. We'll we'll hear. We'll listen to mm-hmm. it in the end and see how different it is. Yeah, we'll 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 do like a. You're like blind John taste Hammond test. when it comes to like I did, like I did equipment. when I auditioned. Yeah. <laughs> well, that Spend was what no I had expense. To do. Yeah, when I when I uh, had Kave audition for the audiobook, I I did a double blind taste test um, <laughs> with uh, the other actors uh, because you know I was biased and like you know my my agent knew well I I don't think he met him but he knew what you sounded like so mm-hmm. I had to find a bunch of people who did not know what you sounded like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even tell them who you were. I'm like, this is my podcast partner. Like, <laughs> His oh. name's not Kave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I said like, like here, like one of these, like in the interest of disclosure, one of these guys is my podcast partner. And so it was like across the board, unanimous. Everybody liked his voice best. So He's graduated from professional reader of ads to professional, professional reader, of books. reader of audiobooks. Yeah. I got to say it was intense. It was like, it's not, you'd think it would be easy to just read, but it's like, it's a, it's, you go for the long haul. You know what I mean? Reading for mm-hmm. that many hours a day and just being focused and making sure I don't flub my lines. And it's very different to read something that's meant to be spoken versus something that's meant to be read. Mm-hmm. So sometimes words that you can read easily in succession, like in sequence or sentences that you read are like much more easy to read. But when you actually have to like articulate them and make sure that the sounds and anyway, I'm sure this is fascinating to everybody. The point is, I'm sure it is fascinating. I mean, no one else here has read an audiobook. I certainly haven't. That's one thing you're supposed to do when you write a book is you're supposed to read it out loud yes. or at least listen to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Guess how many times I did that? I can tell you I knew that because, as like I said, as I was reading it, I was like, this has not been, this is meant to be read. It's not necessarily meant to be read <laughs> out loud. So there's a couple of, I remember there was a bunch of sentences that I had to sort of redo because I was like, oh, this, but then I was like, it's like a Quentin Tarantino script. I don't mean that as an insult because I know you don't like <laughs> And I mean, that, that is really sexist. And <laughs> it's got a really big foot thing going on. Yeah, exactly. I was like, no, there's like wordplay. <laughs> a lot of guns. A lot of guns. A lot of gore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how do I make this interesting? I was like, I'm like Christoph Waltz now trying to come up with it. Anyway, uh, yeah. it was fun. Yes, I've and, talked and, for many and, hours. Like, yeah, make coffee not seem like a creeper, even when he's, although I guess some of his creeper lines are in the, the girl chapter, so. Yeah, it's true. I was like, I didn't get any of those lines if they yeah, did. Yeah, <laughs> like, like that. That's what she said. Jokes. Yeah, those are in the girl chapters. It'll be interesting. But yeah, 
It'll yeah. be interesting to see it all come together once you get, get get the alien filter on Kaveh's voice. It'll be great. I'm excited for that because the my bass voice for the alien is going to sound really ridiculous <laughs> without it. I'm excited, though, but thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for once again forcing me to be behind a microphone talking about stuff. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for being behind the microphone for the 80th hour this week. Right. Let's just, let's now, talk about yeah. some pirates. Let's Muppet go to Treasure the complete, Island. complete opposite other end of all possible media. Before we get into the summary, my question to you, which because I don't remember because I read this. God, it must have been like fourth grade or something. I feel like when I read Treasure Island, mm-hmm. but I don't remember fucking any of it. I don't remember any of Treasure Island. I'm assuming this is roughly the same plot, right? Pretty much. It's pretty truth. It's pretty faithful to the adaptation as an yeah. adaptation. The biggest uh, departure is Benjamina Gunn, as portrayed by Miss Piggy in the novel, is a Marune named Benjamin Gunn. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's pretty similar. Like there was a Captain Flint. Okay. He did uh, hide his treasure. He, uh, Jim does kind of like, you know, just ask a squire. The squire says yes. Then there's the rich executive producer who's yeah. like, I'll give you the boat. Yeah, exactly. They go to the island. Uh, well, anyway, so here, here's the plot summary. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, just Treasure Island, yeah. Right. So basically, it's it's the Treasure Island with Muppets is the plot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the studio. That's the elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> what so if? Treasure, Treasure Island is, this, you know, again, the story of Jim Hawkins, who uh, gets a treasure map from this dude named Billy Bones, who in this film is, is played by the delightful Billy Connolly. By the way, Billy Bones makes it sound like we're like looking at some knockoff treasure island porn yeah. or something <laughs> hi i'm billy bones i'm here to give you the treasure map to love yeah. <laughs> um, so uh they they go uh give the map to like you know a rich guy and the rich guy charters a <laughs> voyage and you know they go to an island but on the way they you know jim makes friends with the uh the cook long john silver he is the uh, proprietor of a very successful chain of um, <laughs> fast food, fast food restaurants. restaurants. <laughs> Makes excellent hush puppies. Yeah, really good fries. Surprisingly underrated fries. Oh my God, I love Long John Silver's. We used to eat that all the time as a kid. But I mean, not all the time, but they're basically like extinct almost. There's only like Long John Silver's that are part of a KFC now, I think, is the closest one wow, to Wow, I never, never even thought to notice. It makes perfect sense as like an amalgam of restaurants too. It's just everything goes in the deep fryer. Exactly. It's, it's kind of like weird profit margin. It's hard to This is now the Long John Silver podcast yeah. where we talk about how much we welcome, love it. Welcome to Silvercast. Today's today's episode, Hush Puppies. Sponsored by Long John Silvers. We <laughs> should have gotten them as a sponsor. Yeah. Fuck. Damn it. PJ, would you hook, up, hook yeah. us up with Long John Silver? Uh, I would love that. And then we can get one of those cards yeah, where you get yeah. it like free for the rest <laughs> of your life. We get paid only in Hush Puppies. It's no more than we deserve. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so hi, Jinx and Sue. Turns out that Long John Silver is in fact heading a mutiny because he was a member of the crew that buried that treasure. Um, and but at the same time, he makes friends with young Jim Hawkins. You know, they 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 share a bond. You know, their 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 dads, their dads died or left something. Them. They were yeah. first mate. Their dads are both first mates. Yeah. Eventually, they find the treasure, but like you know, the mutineers are overcome, and it's uh, it's all well and good, except for we still we kind of like that Long John Silver. You know, he's uh, he's a good dude. He, he's got layers. Well, he's not a good dude, but you know, he's, <laughs> but he's like you know, you he's know, like he's, he's, he's like a good mentor. To him. 
Yeah, he, he's our mentor figure. So he gets away uh, in the movie. He doesn't really get away. <laughs> like, yeah. That's kind of the, the main difference. I think in the book, uh, Silver just straight up like gets away and escapes. But in Muppet Treasure Island, he uh, escapes in a it, it, what I think is a wonderful uh, example of planting and payoff. Yes, it is actually <laughs> a, very good. In a leaky lifeboat, because uh, the first mate, Sam the Eagle, is, is played by Sam the Eagle, and he's very obsessed with like OSHA guidelines. He's like, he's like the first AD, basically of the yeah, ship. Yeah, he's the first AD. <laughs> and uh, throughout, yeah, throughout the movie, he has a little subplot about boat safety. And then when Silver like escapes with a bunch of treasure, we find out that like that boat he escaped on was unsafe the faulty one yeah and it sinks and it sinks and so he has to like he gets in the uh, i guess he ends up on the island again at the end yeah and the treasure goes into the water and then it becomes Mm -hmm. an underwater titanic and then james cameron shows up someone someone (laughs) didn't watch the someone didn't watch the credits oh is there a post-credits scene no it's a during credits the rats go down and get it oh shit i didn't catch (laughs) that yeah the the rats scuba dive the 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 cruise ship rats that plot was great by the way i love that subplot that was the another addition to uh to the that was not in the original book is rizzo the rat who was so in this movie gonzo (laughs) and rizzo are jim's sidekicks which i think works fine um and rizzo the rat decides he he's gonna have a side hustle hosting a cruise for rats a caribbean Yep. cruise for rats and so while everyone else is miserable um the rats are having a high old time but it, but it's like a 1970s like style cruise where like people are showing up or sorry 1980s they're showing up with like video camcorders yeah. and like, <laughs> fucking all this like contemporary stuff so it's like they're on a ride in the middle of yeah, it yeah at first i was like this is kind of cheesy but then i was like thinking about how uh you know like yeah actually like it would be the rats who were having fun and mm-hmm. yeah, and then like I, at the at the beginning i noticed that one of the rats was named mr plague <laughs> Rizzo's like, thank you, Mr. Plagman. Next. Mr. Plagman. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is this is this is, you know, a clever use of your rats. It's a good way to introduce some levity because it's actually this movie is a lot more darker than I remember it. Actually, yeah. kind of like yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol is too. It's actually not as dark as Muppet Christmas Carol, but like um, you know, it kind of it, it gets intense at times, especially like during like the fight sequences or, you know, when the pirates gang up on everybody. So, you know, it's kind of not nice to have like these cheesy moments of reprieve that do feel like Muppets as with the rats, <laughs> the yeah. cruise ship rats. They even say it at the beginning, or no, they're, the, the best gag is when they're walking through when they get to the island and like, uh, I'm sorry, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> the rat crew is walking through because they're giving like some sort of tour and there's like, and on your left you can see with a filming of a modern Hollywood production, <laughs> it's the Muppet Treasure Island film and they like take pictures, they're like, ooh, and then they walk away. It's a pretty good gag. It's yeah. very Muppets. So anyway, so this is the first time you've actually seen this. Uh, probably the yes. first time you've revisited the Muppets in a while. So what are your feelings on Muppet Treasure Island? I It was fine. It wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like my favorite Muppet thing. I, I have to say. So I think it's this one you said and mm-hmm. Muppet Treasure or Muppet, Muppet uh, Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol are the only two where it's them playing characters that are not themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think it was kind of fun at first, but then halfway through it, I was like, all right, like I can see, I liked the subplot like of, or not the subplot, but I guess the main plot of, of Long John Silver and, uh, and Jim, but mullet. I was like, uh, sorry, mullet, mullet, <laughs> mullet, <laughs> who looked like some gas station knockoff version of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's that guy. very strange that haircut that he has. This kid has strange. like a mullet's mullet, which is weird because by 1996, that was very, very dated. I did kind of miss like having them be the focus rather than the side of side yeah, characters. Yeah. 
I think that was another thing because like I my my two big takeaways were that Miss Piggy was in it a lot less than I remember. Yeah, she doesn't even come into like more almost halfway more than halfway yeah, more through than halfway. almost. And Fozzie was in it a lot less than I. Or remember. he's barely in it. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like the way their characters are portrayed. I don't think that's a bad thing because I feel like, especially with Fozzie's character being, you know, the the oaf as usual, mm-hmm. that gets really really tedious. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, but but at the same time, yeah, he's not really the focus. The one that comes closest to being the focus is Kermit, who also doesn't arrive until fairly like around t- the twenty minute mark. His reveal is pretty funny. It's I expected it, but it was pretty yeah. good. Where it's like <laughs> it was cute. <laughs> yeah, they think like they're like oh, and then I do like the guy because they're like oh, the ca- the captain is like some. This is what Sam the Eagle. I think Sam the Eagle mm-hmm. saying this right. He's like yeah, you know, he has got like a temper and blah blah blah. And then like there's this big reveal where like this cart shows up and everyone's like what? And then they like this huge dude steps out of it, and then mm-hmm. he's like oh excuse me, and he steps aside and then it's Kermit. Yeah. And then he thinks that Kermit's being like really passive aggressive, but Kermit's just sort of like, no, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it, guys. And then Sam the Eagle's like, oh my God, he's furious. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like that, that kind of leads into what might be my favorite scene in any 90s movie, mm-hmm. which is the roll call. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where, uh, <laughs> one eye. I. Yeah. And basically, it's like a long wordplay joke on Long John Silver. Or it's like Long John Silver, Short Stack Stevens, <laughs> Black Eyed Pea, Walleye right, right. Pike. And like half of these guys are Muppets and the other half are like Dudes. guys. And, you know, it ends with the uh, big, fat, ugly bug face baby eating <laughs> O'Brien, which is like a hot chick. <laughs> and then Angel Marie, which is a big, scary Muppet. It was pretty good. <laughs> And then there's one guy there, like nearly de- what was his name, like nearly it's dead like, Dan is that or old something. Tom. <laughs> old Ne-. Tom, really old Tom, and really dead old, Tom. and then dead Tom, yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, like I, all that stuff is sort of what I was hoping more for, more of like the goofiness. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. it's not. It's not guess, that it was yeah, bad. It's, a, it it's was... a hard. Yeah, it's like it's it's not bad, but it's not very Muppet. It's like it's not a Muppet movie. It's using the Muppets to tell a different yes, story. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think if you are really wanting some like hardcore Muppet Billy Bones actions, yeah. Because <laughs> um, again, I think it's interesting the way they like um, kind of construct this universe where it's equal Muppets and humans. They seem to coexist. Yes. There aren't really any lines. It doesn't bump really at all. Yeah, at, like yeah, exactly. It doesn't. There aren't really any lines in society of like why so and so is a Muppet or a pig or a frog, and why so and so is like a cook or a cabin boy. So. So, you know, like since Kermit is the captain and, you know, Silver, who's played by Tim Curry, is the mm-hmm. uh, is Long John Silver. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting and it, do, it does interesting things with the tone because I feel like it's really early on. It's easy to forget that you're watching a Muppet movie because there's so many human actors like Billy Connolly, who plays Billy Bones and is also kind of just a human Muppet in this movie. <laughs> That's true. He is. And then uh, Jennifer Saunders, I think, plays the uh, oh yeah the owner of the of the pub oh yeah or so also the a is. very small role which you know as I'm watching it I'm like this could just as easily have been a Muppet um, <laughs> again she's another human Muppet though Jennifer yeah, Saunders it, it, is like, a and it would character. not have bumped yeah it wouldn't have it wouldn't have bumped at all because like you know it, the, the way it's written it does kind of feel like any a role could be swapped out with a Muppet that's good casting though they cast all the yeah, people yeah, they cast yeah. as humans are appropriate yeah. for sort I'm not of saying that's either. a bad thing at all I think also like you're you're used to like especially in the 90s roles like that like the female role being just like she's a nag but she's actually pretty awesome you know whenever no, the funny. pirates invade her you know tavern she's like she helps Jim 
him and Gonzo and Rizzo escape, and then she like you know single handedly arm wrestles the pirates. It's very cute. <laughs> and then she keeps hearing everything. She's like, "How do they? Yeah. How does she know to do that? How does she keep hearing that? How does she do that?" Something occurred to me that had never occurred to me watching any Muppet thing. And this is this is true for all Muppet movies or like all Muppet endeavors, right? Is that the Muppets, the whole their whole deal is that they're constantly like making I don't know if you want to call them meta jokes or like breaking the fourth wall. There's always an acknowledgement of like what's happening, which is part of mm-hmm. why it never gets it's always sort of funny because you're always sort of mm-hmm. winking at the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one thing that they never do, which is really interesting to me, not that they, I don't know why they would do it, but it's funny that there's all these things to the point where you believe them so much because they're in on everything, but they never acknowledge that there's people who are controlling puppets. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that would be a bridge too far, though. Yeah. It's like, you, it's it's okay to fourth wall break and be like, well, this is a movie or yeah. this is a kid. Yeah, because like one of the first things that happens is Billy Connolly character uh, dies and like immediately Rizzo like looks at the camera and he's just like, he died. Yeah. This is supposed to be a kid's, kid's movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I can't imagine like any Muppet movie making a puppet joke. Right. I'm sure it's happened at some point, but like, I can't think of it. And I think that would like, you know, that's a fourth wall. That would break. like that traumatize too me. Far. Yeah, yeah. I like to think that like there is a hand up Kermit's ass right now. Like, no, I don't want to think that. <laughs> But I'm saying even to the extent that they're like, oh, yeah, we're watching the movie A Muppet's a Muppet Treasure Island getting made. Like, mm-hmm. they'll even go so far as to extend is just literally talk about the fact that they're making the movie itself. And another thing I noticed was like, again, with the like, some things are puppets, some, pe- some things are human. Whenever Miss Piggy mm-hmm. is introduced, it's on a literal elephant, like a live, not That's a Muppet true. elephant, yeah, 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 yeah. an actual elephant um, surrounded by dancing uh, tribal pigs. <laughs> Oh, there is a really good gag in the beginning where they're like, what does he say? We're having like roasted ham or something when everyone's like mm, yeah. leaving. Yeah. And they're like roasted like, uh, potatoes. potatoes. And then like a potato puppet walks out. Yeah. Um, it's a potato puppet. They're like, no offense. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No offense. <laughs> I guess let's talk about uh, Tim Curry. Let's oh, yeah. Tim Curry. One legged Tim Curry. One legged Tim Curry. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Like, uh, you know, four or five months from now when we're talking about Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> comparing is he in Tim that Curry one too? Michael- no, Michael Caine is. Michael- I know uh, Michael Caine's in it, but I didn't know if Tim Curry was just like a staple no. in the Muppet universe. No, he's not. I think this is his only Muppet, which is surprising yeah. because, again, human Muppet. Um, yeah, he just but slipped it's also right like, in. like kind of surprising, like how when I think about it, there's not very few like Tim Curry vehicles, like especially in the 90s, he was usually like bit part or a character actor he had a lot of he didn't have a lot of lead roles in the 90s you know he was like the bad guy in home alone 2 yeah um so like this was him like you know getting to you know getting to play their lead role and it was also kind of striking to me how like I, i feel like it's really common now to see uh you know movies maybe not like muppet movies but like movies with like names in it that are kids movies and these people show up and they just phone it in so hard yeah you know they're clearly not interested in being there or delivering a performance you know but like you know billy Connolly and you know tim curry and uh jennifer saunders, saunders are yeah. just like you know for what little screen time they have like absolutely well they like, chew you it know, they love it yeah. chewing you know like there's even a, a like, they're during like finally t- i get to do like a real movie yeah. it's like what during, like. during silver's song uh, he's like he literally says upstage lads this is my only number <laughs> oh yeah that's right that's right <laughs> um yeah it's interesting how how they do you know there, there is a very 
I think, sincere heart to yeah. Silver and Jim Hawkins' dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think it's it's kind of interesting because again, like I, I, it's 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 interesting with millennials who like you know is Treasure Planet good? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm on I'm on team no, uh, but like people really like that movie and they really like that John Silver and I'm just like I don't know there, there's there's a big warmth to the Tim Curry version, but also like a sinisterness and the theatricalness that I you know I really enjoy. It's the wink and the nod and the sense of like, I get to play with puppets, not or yeah. Muppets, but not yeah. like I have to. And it might kill you, but you know, <laughs> we'll have fun while I'm doing it. The Cabin Fever song was so ADD. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminded me of The Mask for some reason, which would have come out around the same time. Yeah, I think yeah. The Mask might have been like a couple years earlier. But I can see why it wouldn't have necessarily been as popular during our quarantine because it was probably just like, People were we were all depressed. That was too like yeah. This fun is not happy. <laughs> this is not really reflective of our reality. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I listened to I did not listen to Cabin Fever eight million times. I listened to After Hours by the Weekend yeah. eight million times. Wait, I you literally listened to the Weekend. You've never mentioned that to me. I before. was literally <laughs> listening to it on the way over here. <laughs> I was like, because I was like working on this content uh, for Nebula. I was like, mm, you know. I'm stuck in traffic. I may as well. It's a short <laughs> album. <laughs> Plus, it's Friday, which means, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it is Friday. My favorite thing on Twitter. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, speaking ladies of crazy music, though, fucking okay. The thing that the note that you and I both apparently had was Hans, Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. What the question, fuck? Like with three question marks. <laughs> yeah. So Hans Zimmer apparently did the score for this. Now I'm like slightly. I'm not actually not impressed, but of course I'm still impressed. But now I'm like suspicious. Did he just basically work out all of fucking Pirates of the Caribbean in this and then just like slap a new yeah, name on it? Because there is a lot of like not just the, you know, because obviously the score for Pirates of the Caribbean is um, inspired by like old pirate movies. Yeah. But like some of it is almost identical to the mm-hmm. the score for Muppet Treasure Island, especially like the beginning, like do, 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 you know, it's great. Yeah. Which, you know, honestly, good for him. Because, look, we all got fucking deadlines and you're not going to do everything from scratch. Sometimes you just got to pull from your own shit and build on top of it. Go yeah. you. Well, did Go he Hans. also do uh, Gladiator? Yes, he did do Gladiator as well. And that was before Pirates, right? That was the year, two- in the year 2000. Yes, Gladiator was 2000. I think Pirates was 2001, 2002. Yeah, like after after I watched this, I immediately like uh, 2003. Yeah, so I feel like that's the thing. It's like the uh, score for Pirates of the Caribbean, iconic score. So good. Is very, very much a fusion of the score from Gladiator and yes. Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> I uh, if, if you listen obsessively to soundtracks like I do, uh, you'll just start to notice these things. So mm-hmm. funny enough, I watched, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Dogma, like a, like a couple months ago, the Kevin Smith movie. And I noticed that towards the end of the film, the score gets really like swelling and emotional. And I basically heard fucking Lord of the Rings in there. And I realized mm-hmm. that this is, um, what was his name? The scored Lord of the Howard Rings. Shore. Howard Shore was Lord who did it. And I was like, these guys do so many of these scores in a year. It's only natural that you'll just end up like sort of repeating shit or like maybe you only work out part of it. And then you sort of like resolve the rest of it in the next film because you sort of have one thing that you like. But mm-hmm. it's funny to go back and hear stuff because some of them are so iconic later that to even hear any part of it in something prior is like totally like fucks with your head. It's really interesting. I have a I do have a Howard Shore story. It's a lot sadder than my Andy Dick story. 
in uh, that I'm I'm the the one that looks sad. Oh no, what happened? Like, well, I mean, I went to like a, a th- like I was like a freshman in college and I went to like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, at the end, like people, you know, it was it was like it was at Tribeca. It was at the Tribeca Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And at the end, people were like asking him for autographs. And I realized just as I was about to do it, like, fuck, I don't have anything for this guy to sign. Oh, no. And um, so I just kind of like was digging through my like backpack. And the only thing I could find was my checkbook. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, could you sign this? And it was just like, the calendar, the calendar at the, uh, you know, at the end. And the look this man gave me, like I, <laughs> he was just so <laughs> insulted. <laughs> and I was like, well, I got to go through with it now. I have it somewhere. I oh my have, God, you got to like, frame it. It's yeah, worth a I lot have, now. I have this, uh, uh, you know, page, back page of a checkbook that has been signed by Howard Shore. I feel like that's more meaningful than anything that those people at that event got signed. Yeah. How many people I mean, can I've, say I've they have a fucking it, yeah. checkbook Maybe signed by it, Howard Shore? I can put Shore. it on the gram if I can find it. Yes, I think the kids will absolutely demand it. <laughs> it's around here somewhere. Our bastard. But anyway, yes, it was awesome that Hans Zimmer did the score. I loved that. It was just like watching Pirates of the Caribbean, but with Muppets to an extent is how it felt. Yeah, it's, it was. It does. It was. It seems like a dry run for pirates in a lot of ways. I definitely noticed what I was just like. This could be read as a you know nod to like the theme park ride. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of jokes about like Disneyland and Disney World, mm-hmm. and the skeletons are sort of a big part of Pirates of the Caribbean lore. Sorry, Caribbean, however you want to pronounce it. Um, the, the joke sort of being like, there's only there's one real skeleton in Pirates of the Caribbean. When Walt did use a lot of real skeletons when it was first built, mm-hmm. but now that's yeah, it's too bad Jenny's not here. She would tell us all about. <laughs> it. Yeah, she. Well, that's her thing. You go in Pirates with her. She'd be like, look, it's the it's the only real skeleton. It's the only real skeleton. It's like a tour everybody. guide. She should just start yeah. charging people She'll to do it. She'll point to every single skeleton and be like, that's the only real skeleton. <laughs> uh, but we have to talk about the the joke at the beginning when they're going through Billy, what's his name? Billy Bones. Billy Bones. <laughs> Billy Bones' chest trying to find the treasure map. And he pulls out a fucking book by Henry Kissinger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which I had to like stop the movie because I was like screaming and I was like, what in the literal fuck is this doing in the film? I, I, I kind of was just bit. like, is that it? You know, because I'm like, that could easily be just like, shit, wouldn't it be funny if he had a modern book? Who's got a book? Like, and they just put any book in there. Or it could be deliberate in saying that Billy Bones uh, condones war crimes. Condones war crimes. Or that uh, Henry Kissinger himself is a p- bit of a pirate going around destroying stuff and fucking it up. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, how yeah. I took it, where I was like, this is the most progressive pirate movie I've ever seen. Is <laughs> that yeah, they're just that, making that, fun that's of That's, that's the correct one. I, th- I think you're correct. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Uh, I thought that was amazing. And that was the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That blew my mind. (laughs) That that reinforces what we were talking about. It's like this. These are not kids movies necessarily. That's a very adult joke. Well, I guess uh, Muppet Treasure Island, you know, kind of a a cute, funny kids movie from the 90s, uh, but not always a kids movie as evidenced by the Henry Kissinger jokes. It was fine. It was yeah, nice. It was we needed something light this week because I was talking so much. And it was a nice light movie and I enjoyed it. And there's no anger and just general happiness all around. It's the Muppets. You always love the Muppets. Or I do yeah. anyway. I think I, I have special fondness for this movie because of Tim Curry getting to yes, ham exactly. it up in a way that like it doesn't feel off. It doesn't feel like weird because a lot of times he can be a little too theatrical. And in this, I felt like, you know, he he's kind of the perfect fit in that role. 
I just kept thinking of him in Legend as well, where I was like, man, imagine if they had given right. some fucking crazy outfit for this, some crazy costume. Too, too bad that's not a musical. I fucking love that movie. That movie's crazy. Really? Once again, we don't agree on anything. The costumes and like I mean, the, the costumes are like the movie itself. The makeup. Is not good. <laughs> <laughs> not like the pl- yeah, not like the plot, but I just remember like yeah. the atmosphere of it. It's a very cool it. looking movie. Yes. Tim Curry's prosthetics are very cool. Incredible. I remember that's still my image of like the devil in my head. Yeah. And then there's that weird. Uh, the, anyway, whatever. Sexy devil. Yeah. I do. I do. I have to say, I do remember that scene of the unicorn getting its fucking horn like sliced off, just as like Tom Cruise is jumping off like to go into the water, and then it turns into ice. Remember, because he's underwater, because he's going to go get something for the print. That was like tra- like traumatic from my childhood, like in an awesome way, though. <laughs> so that'll do us for the legend episode. Of... <laughs> anyway, Not a I musical, like but OK. If we, but apparently there was a King Kong musical. I just found out before we started. Oh, recording. yeah. Yeah. I was I was showing him my Kong merch. There it's was a, you know, awesome. give us a comment if you saw the King Kong musical. Very sad. We can't do an episode on it. I don't think they filmed it. I'm actually uh, sad because there's a giant puppet. You said that's what yeah, Kong yeah. was. I, mean, I feel like, I, you know, it, it wouldn't be as cool. Uh, one way or the other, not being able to see the puppet live. But yeah, the King Kong musical music itself was was just unlistenable. (laughs) (laughs) But the puppet was, you know, that's not why you see the King Kong musical. You see it because you want to see the puppet. Wait, does Little Shop have a giant uh, thing for the plant, like a giant puppet? I hope so. I hope so. Is that what it's supposed to, though, historically? Yeah, it's supposed to be a giant. Oh, yeah, because, well, I mean, not that we got Little Shop on the docket, but, you know... (laughs) (laughs) Not that we're going to New York anytime I have, soon. I have seen uh, multiple versions of the puppet. I have seen a giant man-eating puppet. It's supposed to be a giant man-eating puppet. But the last version I saw was not a giant man-eating puppet. Lame. It was, it was, uh, it was honestly, it was like quite lame. Anyway, we'll talk about that during the Little Shop episode. Which is our worst kept secret ever right now. Yeah, but yes. I know. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and leave us a good review. Please follow the links uh, to our sponsors. They are both, you can hear them in our podcast and they're also embedded inside the text. Yeah. Make sure you listen to them because they've got like, you know. They're great. This week's was, uh, this week's was fun. It was involved, but you know, I'm yeah, glad that we were able to pull it off. This week had a cast. Yeah. <laughs> There was he a was cast. Very, my dad was very excited. He was just like, oh, 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 he was all like professional about it. I had to do it a bunch of times, but it was great. I was very proud of him. He made it through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, please follow us on social media. Thanks for being on my podcast, yeah. Dad. <laughs> uh, thank, please follow us on social media. We are at Musical Splaining with no G on Twitter, at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. I am at Kavitarian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you at the. Again, I guess streaming theater service. eventually. Theater eventually. I don't care about the Delta variant. <laughs> <laughs> My full plans are on. Bitch. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> we are going to see a little shop of horrors. We're going to go see it. They're requiring vaccinations. It's fine. It's perfect. All right. Bye. Uh,